Thank you very much, my dear listener, for choosing our station. This is the New Life program coming to you from Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. I'm your presenter, Samuel Mangi. Today we'll be having a Bible story from the Bible in Living Sound. The story is about condemned to the fiery furnace. Thereafter, we'll be having Brother Ian Mose talk about victory against sin during the Bible segment. To start off, here's a song, Najuta by Kurasini Church Choir. Na 
to welcome the bubbling living sound to share with us. Oh, why did I listen to them? Perhaps oh, some music you? will... No, no music. Your Majesty, <laughs> it's getting daylight and so... Daylight? Scribe, get the captain and several of the guards and meet me at the mouth of the lion's den. Make haste! <laughs> Captain, roll away the stone, you and your men. But certainly His Majesty doesn't want us to... Roll away the stone! Ah, Daniel? Daniel! Is thy God, whom thou servest continually, able to deliver thee from the lions? O King, live forever. My God hath sent his angel and hath shut the lions' mouths that they have not hurt me. For as much as before him, innocence was found in me. Also, before the king, have I done no hurt. Did you hear that, scribe? Daniel is still alive. The lions didn't hurt him. We'll get you right out, Daniel. His God did it, scribe. What a wonderful and powerful God. He controls even the wild beasts. Uh, your men, have them draw Daniel out immediately. Yes, Your Majesty. Down with the rope, men! Daniel's God must be all-powerful. Tie the rope under your arms, Daniel, sir! Oh, I'm so happy, Your Majesty. It's the happiest day of my life. Are you ready, sir? All ready, scribe. Draw him up, men. Careful. He's been in that hard, damp place all night, and he... He's not young anymore. Easy now. Easy. Daniel. Daniel. Good morning, Your Majesty. It's all my fault, Daniel. Please forgive me, as my counselors tricked me into signing that decree, but... But they shall pay. They, their wives, and their children. They shall be cast into the lion's den. my dear. The lions aren't going to hurt us. They're not hungry. If they were, they'd have torn Daniel to pieces. Daniel's God saved him. He did not. No God is that powerful. If you're so sure of that, why don't you offer to be the first to be cast over to the lions? Well, because I'm... I'm... Oh, all right. I'll be the first. Captain, roll away the stone. Uh, <laughs> All right, in you go. I, I'm not afraid. Out of my way, I'll, I'll drop in by myself. <laughs> hungry? Ah, oh, the lions are so hungry, they tore him to pieces ere he touched the bottom. Uh, Daniel was surely saved by his guard. 
Then did King Darius write unto all the people a proclamation, saying, I, Darius, king of Babylon, make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, and steadfast forever. He delivereth and restoreth, and he worketh signs and wonders in heaven and in earth, who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. During the reign of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream. When he awoke, he wrote the dream and told it to his three companions. It seems a great wind blew and four beasts came up out of the sea, each different from the other. The first beast was like a lion with eagles soaring wings, but the wings were plucked and the beast was made to stand up like a man and a man's heart was given to it. And a terrible looking beast that must have been. The second one? Oh, it was like a bear. It raised up and had three ribs in its mouth, and a voice cried unto it, Arise, devour much flesh. And the third beast looked like a leopard with four wings of a fowl upon its back. It also had four heads, mm. and dominion was given to it. Four wings and four heads. Terrible. Yeah, the fourth beast looked even worse. It was different from any of the others. It was uh, terrible, dreadful. Exceedingly strong. With its great iron teeth, it broke in pieces and stamped the residue with its feet. Oh, oh, yes, yes, and it had ten horns. Ten horns? I was looking at the ten horns when suddenly three of the horns were torn out by the roots, and a little horn came up in their place. This little horn had the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking great things. A horn with eyes and a mouth, how gruesome, terrible. I looked upward and beheld God sitting upon his throne which was like the fiery flame. Thousands upon thousands ministered unto him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The judgment was set, and the books opened. In the books were written all the cruel, unkind, wicked things every person has ever done. I beheld, and lo, the horn speaking great things was slain, and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. Then I looked, and beheld one like the Son of Man came, and there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him forever and ever. Oh, there was great rejoicing in heaven. Anyway, Daniel, your dream had a happy ending. Did it have a meaning? Well, I, <laughs> I too was troubled about the dream. Then I fell asleep and dreamed that an angel was standing by me. I asked him the truth of what I had seen, and he told me, the four beasts are four kingdoms which shall arise out of the earth, but the saints shall possess the kingdom even forever and ever. But what about the fourth terrible beast with iron claws, uh, ten horns, and a horn that uprooted three of the ten? The ten horns are ten kingdoms that shall come out of the fourth worldwide kingdom, and the little horn shall uproot three of the ten kingdoms and speak great things against God. It will persecute the saints and prevail against them until the judgment shall sit and the everlasting kingdom shall be given to the saints of the Most High. Oh, that was an awesome dream. Just think, Daniel. Jerusalem at this time is in ruins. The children of Israel scattered abroad as slaves and captives. And yet God, in effect, tells his faithful ones, Kings may come and kings may go. Empires rise and fall. Yet I, the God of creation, have not forgotten my people nor my purpose. Yes, Shadrach. 
Someday the seed of the woman shall bruise the serpent's head, as God promised Adam and Eve. Someday the Messiah shall come. Someday Eden will be restored, and all people shall love and serve the God of our fathers, the one and only true God. I hope that you've indeed enjoyed that story from the Bible in Living Sound. Remember to send us your views, comments, or questions about this program. Write to the producer, Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 422-760-0010-Nairobi-Kenya. Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. I hope they're enjoying the show from wherever you are. 
It is now time for the Bible segment. Join me as I welcome Brother Ian. Greetings, dear listener, and welcome to our study today. I believe that our love in God has kept you safe in His everlasting arm. The topic of our study is victory against sin. I am a presenter, Ian Muse. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. James chapter 1 verse 14 to 15. Here the act of sin is compared to the process of conception and reproduction. Just as a bee carries pollen from one open blossom to another to fertilize the flower, so the heart of each individual is open to the introduction of unholy thoughts and desires. If those seeds are allowed to mingle with the carnal nature, they produce an inevitable harvest of sin and finally death. Our only protection is to set a guard before all the avenues of the soul to test every entering thought. By the grace and strength of Christ, Every evil desire can be recognized and sifted out so that it has no opportunity to linger in the mind as a catalyst of lust and sin. This touches an issue that often becomes exceedingly sensitive. How easy it is to say that we can monitor the mind and weed out the clamoring thoughts of sin. But can human beings, even concert with Christ, actually conquer the temptation to harbor impure thoughts? The Bible says yes, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4-5 to How is such total victory possible? Is it accomplished through prayer, faith, or personal effort? Basically, we must agree that this kind of deliverance comes only through the enabling, indwelling Spirit of God. There is not enough strength in the flesh to overcome one evil desire. Nevertheless, the victory is not obtained without our strong cooperation and action. God does not work miracles to deliver those who do not use their own God-given power to avoid evil. Again, we are brought back to the question of inviting temptation. How far should we go in protecting ourselves from the vulnerability to sin? Jesus laid down a very clear principle in the Sermon on the Mount. And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members shall perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off, and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members shall perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. Matthew chapter 5 verse 29 to 30. Jesus was not talking about the literal eye or the literal hand. Christ was talking about the occupation of the hand and what the eye focuses on. If we find ourselves in a job or any physical situation which opens a door to temptation, the counsel is to cut it off. In other words, get away from any vocation which involves an enticement that is liable to lead into sin. The master indicated that any radical means should be used to avoid situations which might overwhelm with soul-destroying sin. Even an employment position should be abandoned rather than risk the spiritual loss of eternal life. If we find ourselves looking at some sin which is likely to introduce sinful thoughts or actions, Jesus commands us to shut that view away from our sight by any possible means. The term pluck it out conveys the idea of perceptuous action if necessary. What a persuasive argument against the corruption communication media of today? 
the alluring appeal of television is probably the most powerful incitement to sin in the 20th century. The words of Christ have a most explicit application to those who have difficulty controlling the television set. Our Lord's counsel to pluck it out will seem to translate into throw it out if the eye continues to be offended by provocative pictures on the tube. Much better, Jesus said, to lose the advantage of the educational material than to lose the soul by looking at degrading programs. If it can't be totally controlled, don't take the chance. Pluck it out. Will Jesus ask to deny ourselves some good thing just because a small amount of mind pollution might be involved? Yes. It is much better to lead what the word calls a narrow-minded existence, a one-eyed life, than to lead a so-called full life and lose your soul. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Luke chapter 9 verse 23. Saying no to desirable fleshy things is a basic requirement of a Christian discipleship if those things present temptations which are likely to lead into sin. What I am really saying is that even with a spiritual mind, we need to follow the great basic principles of victory over temptation. There are places to be avoided if you want to have total victory. There are devotional requirements if we will be wholly in harmony with Christ. The avenues of the mind must be guarded if we will defeat sin in its inception. What a tremendous difference it will make if all could clearly understand the priority placed upon a pure mind. Satan has created a deceptive, artificial world of the flesh which makes a powerful appeal to the mind of every man, woman, and child. Only by recognizing the snares and appropriating all the weapons of Christ's warfare will be successful in resisting temptation. Although some people seem able to resist anything except temptation, others appear to be almost complacent about the problem. Is it possible to have a misplaced confidence in the flesh and its ability to cope with temptation? Paul wrote, Let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 12 Have you noticed how some of the most unlikely individuals fall prey to the most unlikely sins? It is often the case that a person is overcome in the area where he feels the strongest. How does it happen? Do we become careless on the point of our supposed strength? It appears so. No inspired explanation is given as to how Moses could succumb to impatience or anger. The Bible presents him as the meekest man who ever lived. Such a person might yield to many other temptations but surely not passion. Yet, that is exactly the sin that shut Moses out of the promised land. He smote the rock in anger instead of speaking to it as God commanded. Numbers chapter 20 Abraham was distinguished by his total trust in God. He is called the father of the faithful, yet he lied to the king of Egypt out of fear that his wife will be taken from him. Do these great Bible characters not demonstrate dramatically how Satan attacks the place in our lives where there is a lack of alertness? No one should think he is immune to Satan's attacks because of some demonstrable virtues. It is also very interesting to note that no one really anticipates the result of yielding to temptation since it usually approaches along the line of least resistance. Gehazi saw the flashing colors of the siren garments, not the leprous scars which will follow him to the grave. Achan saw the coveted wage of Babylonian gold, not the anger of a nation which will rise up to stone him. Judas could not see past the glittering silver coins to his fearful remorse and suicide. Listener, there is a resounding truth in the Bible that in Christ Jesus we are victorious over sin. You can claim your victory today by accepting him as your personal savior and your everyday guide. Take that step today, my friend, and you shall not be overcome by evil. Till we meet again, 
God bless you abundantly. I was your presenter, Ian Musi. We have come to the end of our show for today. Please send us your views, comments or questions about the program by writing to the producer, Adventist World Radio, PO Box 42276-00100, Nairobi, Kenya, or email us through awrnairobi at ek.adventist.org. Until next time, I've been a host, friend and presenter, Samuel Mangi. Remember, stay safe, stay blessed.
Sitamani 